Okay, well, hello, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, listening. This is the first ever USS Briefs podcast. My name is Nick Hardy. I am an editor for USS Briefs, and I'm going to introduce all the other people who will be discussing UCU 2018 Congress um, in this interview. So first up, we have Stan Papoulias from the KCL branch, who was a delegate to Congress. Uh, we have Emma Nogus from the Sheffield branch, who was also a delegate. Mike Finn from Exeter, also a delegate. Uh, Jaya John John from Oxford, also a delegate. And then we have two other USS Briefs team members who weren't present at Congress. We've got Joe Grady, who's going to be leading the interview, and Felicity Callard. Okay, so Joe, take us away. Thanks very much, Nick. And hi, everyone. Um, thank you for sacrificing not only your time at Congress, but your Sunday uh, afternoon <laughs> to spend some time with us. It, it's very appreciated. Um, so just as a little bit of a preface for everyone who's listening who maybe doesn't have any idea what Congress is, I just wanted to kind of outline that essentially um, Congress is part of the national governance structures of UCU and is often thought of and, and kind of performs a function of being our sovereign body. So all of uh, the people who spent their time with us today attended Congress and uh, are members of branches that put forward some key motions um, that it transpired, if you followed on Twitter, caused a little bit of a meltdown at Congress this week. So I was just wondering if maybe Emma, as the representative from Sheffield, could start and just talk me through the motion um, B19, I think it was, uh, that Sheffield put forward and um, the kind of controversy, really, um, that, that kind of played out with that motion. Um, yeah, so B19 um, was a late motion for a democracy review uh, that we submitted also with the University of Bath uh, branch of UCU. Um, we passed this motion um, back in April at our local branch from a very well-attended EGM. Um, we passed that motion for a democracy review of UCU, submitted it as a late motion. It wasn't actually initially um, granted onto the agenda um, of Congress business. Um, we um, challenged that decision and when we got to Congress. Um, yeah, it was ruled as not Congress business to begin with, and it was definitely our point of view that a democracy review should be Congress business. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we successfully that we successfully challenged that decision of Congress Business Committee, and um, it was voted onto the agenda. And then as soon as that happened, and um, that was when the first staff outs of UCU staff happened. Then, and can I ask on what basis it was viewed not Congress business, but you successfully argued that it was, and it was accepted as such, and not the basis on which the staff walked out and also just to confirm to everybody these are full-time members of UCU who are paid members of staff yeah 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 yes super okay um yeah so when it was originally not granted onto um the congress agenda um the only information we were told was that it was not deemed congress business um to be honest, I'm not sure why that was the case. And I think a lot of people weren't either, which was why when we challenged it, it overwhelmingly was voted to go back to the agenda. Um, when the staff walked out, we then went into talks with Unite outside, uh, me and other branch delegates.
Roberts, um, Jess Meacham, Sam Marsh and Sam Moorcroft. And um, the contentious parts of that motion was um, the Congress noting that most senior full-time officials of the union are appointed rather than elected. And that was seen as contentious. And then secondly, in one of our Congress resolves, when we said we wanted to undertake a review of Congress, um, we said, sorry, not a review of Congress. And um, before Congress 2019, we wanted to undertake a review of UCU's democratic structures via a democracy commission, including but not limited to discussion of the appropriate number of full-time elected officials and how representatives are to be held to account. We did agree to take out um, the last part of that Congress resolves. So we agreed to take out the discussion about the appropriate number of full-time elected officials um, but there was a bit of a sticking point where full-time staff also wanted us to remove um, discussion of how elected representatives are held to account. Um, th that was a section that I really didn't want to take out of the motion, um, but we did have to take it out in order for Unite to, and full-time staff of UCU in order for them to see that as um, acceptable to appear on Congress. So we did take that out, and then B19 was seen as acceptable but um, the walkouts resumed. Well, no, they didn't resume. They stayed walked out in anticipation of uh, later motions that they had issues with. Oh, thank you very much. You've outlined that really um, helpfully and also segues very beautifully <laughs> into um, the other motions. Thanks, Emma. So, Mike, um, as the branch um, Exeter that proposed motion 10, which also, um, together with motion 11, I, as I understand it, the two were conflated, but we'll come to that in a moment, also prompted a walkout. I was wondering if you could um, sort of perform the same role that, that Emma just did and maybe when you became aware there was objections to them, um, what do you think might have been the problem that was perceived to be with that motion? Yeah, so the motion 10 pretty much did exactly what it said on the tin. Um, it was a vote of no confidence in the general secretary. It had been passed again like through the motions and Four at branch meetings, it had been passed in a EGM early in April. It had been submitted, it had been approved by the Congress Business Committee. And the idea behind that was to give a broader area to this question about the, the General Secretary and the, to give Congress a chance to debate about no confidence. Now, one of the points that was raised in that was that the final resolves was you know, to call for the General Secretary's resignation. So obviously there was a there was a consequence of the vote of no confidence, at least in theory, but in practice, we only became aware of any issues around this because we knew it had been ordered onto the agenda some weeks before. Um, obviously, that had been published, so we knew it was on the agenda. We only became aware there were really serious issues around this the night before, and it was very much nods and whispers. We knew that there were people within the union who were unhappy about the motion. We knew, understandably perhaps, because they were opposed to it. We knew that there were people who were contacting us as branch delegates directly and saying we should withdraw this motion. We weren't aware that it was likely to be the kind of pyrotechnics that we saw until late on the evening before when we started to receive word that there was opposition amongst the national officials. And this was all literally nods and winks and whispers. People telling us, have you heard that? Um, and I didn't arrive in Manchester myself until the Wednesday morning. So formal notification that I had that this was a real issue and was actually going to happen, that there was going to be an attempt to get these off the table um, through any means really necessary was when we arrived at Congress, um, there were Unite leaflets or leaflets published in the name of Unite, I should probably specify, mm. yeah. saying that there would be things done 
in the events or saying that they were unhappy on certain grounds with these motions, specifically in relation to motion 10, um, that it threatened the, you know, the employment status of, of, of the Unite members, and in our case, that meant the General Secretary. So we went into Congress, you know the events that happened, the walkout suspensions, and you're speaking to, we also went into negotiations, you know, in the spirit of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of comradely fellowship and trying to be reasonable with uh, national officials who were Unite members and they were acting as Unite members during the suspension. And they spoke to us about their concerns and they felt that, you know, this was an attack on one of their members, etc. And they did speak to us with the, the King's delegation, we'll, we'll speak to Motion 11 in a minute. And specifically to our motion, you know, there was issues raised where you're calling for the, the resignation of an employee and, you know, that is, that is unacceptable to us. Beyond that, we said, okay, can we take it in parts? Would that be acceptable to you? For those who don't know what that means, that's a device whereby Congress can vote on each bit of the motion. So if there was a particularly contentious bit of the motion, that could then have the opportunity to fall and the motion still stand. And that was unacceptable to them as well. And um, just to give you a further bit of context, these motions have been on the paper for a long Well, this motion in particular have been on the agenda for a long time. So I put it directly to the people we were negotiating with that um, you've had weeks to do something about this or contact us about this and you've only decided to do this mm-hmm. now. So you know, that doesn't encourage good faith. And, and can I ask thing, what the answer was to that question? Because that's was, something was, I've just been no thinking answer. about. Yeah, there, there was, was no answer. answer. The, the only answer that we got, to contextualise, the only answer that we got was initially they tried to say they didn't know who the delegates were, so they didn't know to contact. Uh, and when we basically expressed this belief that that was the case because we've all registered with UCU and they do know who the branch sexy exeter is and they do have my email address or they can just use google you know we, when we said that was just completely unbelievable there was no answer when i actually directly put it to them that what they were doing was trying to leverage their strategic position um from doing what they were doing i said that directly to them and there was no answer to that um so you know i think in in that context it became harder and harder to extend good faith Um, And what was was also then put to us, and this is the final point that I'll make, is just that um, we were told by the head of democratic services, Paul Cottrell, who's a national official, but he wasn't speaking with United, he was just there in his capacity as the head of democratic services. We were told that the National Executive Committee had been given legal advice that these motions uh, were inconsistent. Um, you know, with with both, you know, with the powers of Congress vis-a-vis the ability to change terms and conditions. Now, I, I really wasn't happy with this, and our delegation wasn't happy with this because we asked to see the legal advice. We were told there was no written opinion. Um, <laughs> we told that it boiled down essentially to Paul Cottrell having had a chat with someone who was a, a lawyer, um, but there was no written legal advice to give to us. So, by this point, I would suggest that you know, good faith are pretty much broken down. And um, we were not minded to withdraw the motion. Oh, wow. Well, that's quite a set of revelations. So there was legal advice that wasn't actually able to be seen. Um, Stan, I was wondering if you could kind of reflect on that. Uh, was was this the experience similar for KCL members? Yes. Just to uh, clarify, um, I mean, um, our experience is very similar to what Mike uh, described because both the delegations of Motion 10 and 11 were together in a room um, outside the main hall for quite some time um, talking with representatives from Unite. But um, before that, just to roll it back a bit. So uh, motion 11, censure of UCU's general secretary. Um, At King's, we had an emergency general meeting. 
uh, on the 25th of April, and one of the motions passed there with a overwhelming majority at a quorum meeting was this motion, what became motion 11. And just to say to people listening into this that usually motions are, there's a particular form, format, Congress notes, Congress believes, um, so and so in our case as well, Congress resolves. And so the motion to censure the General Secretary from King's um, dealt with uh, the um, the behaviour of the of the Secretary on the 28th of March when uh, branch delegates were um, called up uh, to um, to discuss the UUK proposal. Um, there was a meeting, and um, at the end of that meeting, the uh, UUK proposal was put to the to an e-ballot. But it never became clear how the branch representatives' uh, approach and views um, from their branches were uh, were understood or taken into account in that meeting. There were no minutes. Uh, there wasn't a count of who had said what, what, how each branch had voted. So, in that context, uh, in our motion, we finished by saying Congress resolves one to censure the General Secretary for relaying branch positions at the 28th March meeting, whose accuracy in the absence of a vote or provision of a detailed written list of positions could not be verified, and two to ensure that in future branch representatives' positions are recorded in a clear and verifiable manner. So, basically, it was proposing a formal reprimand of the General Secretary. Um, and uh, it was it was uh, moving to future um, transparency. Now, as a result of this, we were told that again, as as were our colleagues from Exeter, that we were endangering the position um, of an employee of the union. And we received when we arrived, we didn't know anything about this at all um, until, in my case, arriving. Um, no, actually, to be fair, there were rumours about this, as, as Mike said, on, on the evening of the 29th when we the delegation arrived in Manchester. Um, but um, we received this written uh, note, uh, flyer, the morning of the 29th when Congress opened, allegedly from the Unite Committee for the UCU Staff Branch that said, among other things, quote, um, the resignation or censure of a UCU employee is sought without any due process in a way which we believe you would find wholly unacceptable if it was proposed for a UCU member. And um, Unite do not consider that discussion of or censure of any of our members' conduct without due process is acceptable, among other things. So, yeah, and, uh, and, and sorry. Stan, can I, just, say something? Yeah. can I just jump in here? And that thing you were sent that, with the Unite statement, um, I've mm. seen a, a picture of it online, and it has—it looks like an official thing. It has the Unite crest, isn't that right? Yes, it does. Like, like it's a kind of official Unite communication, um, as 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 far as you can tell from that leaflet. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And it says it's a direct Unite committee for the UCU staff branch at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is something that really confused a lot of people online, myself included. Um, Mainly because, as we understand it, the, the two motions, 10 and 11, that Exeter and, and KCL put forward, were specifically about the General Secretary. Um, you know, they, right. they weren't about calling into account the position of other UCU staff. So to conflate the two issues together as if they're all one in the same is, is unhelpful. It's unhelpful to Congress democracy. Um, the Congress Business Committee, which is the body that um, approves which motions go forward, said that they were fine. They've been approved for several weeks in the run-up to Congress. And then the evening before Congress, um, there is a movement by 
what is positioned as the UCU branch of Unite, although I don't think that technically exists. I think those members are part of another branch. And this all adds to this chaos and confusion. So thank you all. You've outlined that really, really well. It's definitely the confusion that I picked up um, following Congress um, on Twitter. So I just want to kind of move the discussion along a little bit. Sorry, I just, know... just before we do, sorry, can I make one more little bit, bit of contextual information? Of the Unite, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so when we were having this particular discussion, particularly about in B19, the removal of um, how elected representatives are held to account, um, and Unite said to us that, that did um, that was an attack potentially on on UNI on UCU staff, and I asked them to confirm if our general secretary was the only elected representative among them, because that's specifically who you know elected representatives are specifically who we're talking about there, and they confirmed that it was um, that they were the only elected representative there. And then they also put to me that um, why don't we just trigger a re-election of them if we're that unhappy? And I was like, well, I don't think we can. I don't think we actually have the mechanism within our structures to do that um, but I found it interesting that that is what UCU staff seem to find a acceptable wow. alternative to, so to UCU, any of this. UCU staff were advising UCU members that they should seek democracy in their union via other ways and that should be triggering an election. And I said, well, I, and I don't think we have the power to do that. We hence, do not why have we, the power. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so hence, I see maybe you would be sympathetic with our democracy review if you're if you're under the impression that we can trigger a re-election of our general secretary. Yeah, because yeah. they, oh, wow. I mean, this leads me to another point, because this was um, something that I read to the KCL statement, and I was really quite staggered um, mm. that in, in the discussions with UCU staff and UNITE members, the issue of people's um, livelihoods and their mortgages and even a kind of a emotional manipulation of mentioning people's children was mentioned yes. in why these motions about the democracy of our union should be resolved. I mean, can someone, sorry, I'm kind of throwing this out there, maybe Stan, I heard yes, yeah. just briefly describe what that was like. So uh, um, in our statement, KCL statement, we were referring there to two instances and people please jump in if um, I don't remember them correctly. Uh, one was um, when the, the chair um, of Congress, uh, John Groot, uh, in the first day on Wednesday, uh, decided to put to the vote whether motions 10 and 11 were going to be heard. And so when she did that, then people had to speak for and against that decision before the uh, before this was open to the vote. So at that point, people speaking against uh, raised the issue of um, making people redundant and how abhorrent that was um, and that we would potentially endanger uh, people's mortgages, livelihoods and families with children. This was then repeated almost verbatim, uh, very emotionally, um, when on uh, Friday morning, uh, motion L8 was debated, and we'll talk about this later, um, again by people uh, moving against the motion. Um, very, very similar statements were made there, if I remember correctly, about people's livelihoods, and they were made in a very emotional tone indeed. Do, does that agree with yeah, what people remember? Yeah, very, yeah, very emotional tones were adapted, absolutely, yeah. About redundancy of many, many members of staff, potentially, and so on, families and that kind of thing. Yeah, and how these emotions were emotionally manipulative, all, all, all these things, it was, yeah, 
Yeah. So can I ask a question then as an, as an outsider? Because to me, um, sat at my, my keyboard at home, I was um, simultaneously um, confused because these motions didn't do that. No. If anybody objectively looked at these motions, these motions did not threaten the livelihoods, the mortgages, the staff, etc. of ECU. So that's one issue. But secondly, we are trade unionists. So many of us have fought redundancies in our universities. Yeah. Um, many of us were stood on picket lines with precarious staff who don't have enough money to have mortgages or maybe a fortune. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're not. Uh, it really felt sat on the sidelines that um, this was almost using kind of strike terminology, industrial relations terminology to really tug at the heartstrings of trade unionists who ironically, most of whom were at Congress, perhaps giving up their free time, exactly. not being paid. And I was kind of sat at home just absolutely bereft on, on, on your behalf, I have to say. Well, if I could just jump in there, I think uh, one of the things that when we were in negotiations with Unite on the first day, one of the things that happened was the people who were supporting the, their position, um, delegates who mm. supported their position, staged an impromptu, as they put it, solidarity picket outside the hall. Um, and started shouting some very emotive stuff about, you know, this being an attack on the elected officials. And we're conscious of the fact that we're in a room, you know, all this, trying mm. to do a negotiation about emotion and motions, indeed, that have been constitutionally validated. So it was actually quite reassuring to know that people who weren't in Congress, who were following on Twitter, were getting the sense that this was odd and improper. You know, mm. it, was, it amounted to, in many ways to kind of, cynical manipulation of you know the, the kind of values that we do uphold as trade unionists and it, you know, it was an attempt to put us in a very difficult position absolutely the, um, i i mean i went into the hall when there were um, people in that makeshift uh, picket line outside and um, with signs saying no to bullying um suggesting that uh, these motions constituted um a bullying of the general secretary bullying of the staff i'm not sure but yeah being basically accused of bullying with with these motions i thought was absolutely outrageous and as you were saying joe um just from exeter and sheffield alone i know at least three of the delegates there including myself were casualized staff not not being paid to be there not you know not yeah. being you know having huge amounts of precarity and being accused of jeopardizing people's livelihoods was a uh, yeah really unpleasant actually <laughs> i can imagine so i just want to bring in uh, jaya john because i've realized i've been neglecting uh, jaya i'm very sorry um so could you maybe just give your perspective because i know that the motion from from your branch sort of seemed to kind of pass through without as much controversy but maybe that's not the case and maybe you could speak a little bit kind of a brief analysis of of what your motion proposed and, and your experience of the kind of the impromptu picket line and, and, and controversy that um, followed, please. Well, thank you, Joe. So um, our motion was uh, to improve the rule book or introduce actual procedures so that when we have non-statutory internal ballots in future, everyone would know how they work. And many questions came up during this ballot and we felt one way to take to, to improve this one aspect of our union is to have clear procedures so that if there's a ballot, everyone knows how they're going to be run. And a big part of the goal was also that we felt UCU staff would have many questions about this ballot and it's unfair to them that they can't just say, well, actually, here's a published PDF of what we do, how we do it, and these are the rules we're following. So a, a substantial part of the motivation for our motion was to protect staff in future as well as improve Union function 
general. So to our utter surprise, as we walked in, we received these leaflets from Unite. And you know, there's not much time to look at a leaflet as you walk in. We just assumed mm. it was trouble on motion 10 and 11, quite frankly. And we didn't see that it was motion 7, which was a, a late motion that we'd approved at a super well attended uh, for us uh, general meeting on the 30th of April. And so somebody came to us just as we were trying to find our seats uh, we hope we hope to see, sit with Sheffield actually, um, and um, yes, they're a great crowd. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh, but um, somebody came to us and said, uh, uh, "Our third me uh, member of the delegation he said, I'd like to introduce you to Douglas Chalmers. He's the vice president." And Douglas Chalmers said to us, um, "There's a small problem with your motion. Um, the United Staff would like to talk with you. Could you come with us?" And I must admit, I still thought he was talking about motions ten and eleven, and I thought, "Well, how can we help?" But okay, we'll go with the people, and then we it, we found out that. United staff had felt that a few clauses, especially in our Congress notes, were direct criticisms of the staff who run the ballots. And I, I think you have to, if you interpret it very sensitively, maybe you could take it as criticism, but it should be noted that the Congress Business Committee, whose job it is to monitor for criticism of staff, had accepted our motion and ordered it duly. Yeah. So it, it, it does require a particular uh, context of interpretation. And what we said is that Congress notes the procedural questions arising from national e-ballot, including identity of the conducting organization, voting complaints procedures, delays in issue or non-receipt of ballots, and unilateral endorsement on the ballot paper itself. And then in retrospect, okay, so the to say that some of the ballots were not received or were late, then you could say that that's a criticism of staff, that they didn't do it on time. And unilateral endorsement on the ballot paper, that's clearly a criticism of the general secretary. But the whole issue that came up at this Congress was, can you criticize the general secretary being an elected representative? Mm -hmm. and, and so what was your ultimate conclusion? <laughs> so so um, we, we came okay, under quite time pressure at, just as we were walking into Congress to negotiate with staff kind of by go-between. So the Unite representative said, the, these are seen as problems. We tried to learn where the problems were, which clauses, and then um, we agreed on just, because we wanted to get forward with the motion, we didn't want to mm. go walk out. And because actually what we wanted was the outcome of improving the rules. Then we thought if, if some staff feel bad about something we've said, even if we don't understand exactly why, let's just scrap uh, two and three. But, but to say that you know this was known for weeks and that we didn't have a chance to go back to our members who voted for this, it was very awkward and we felt very put on the spot. Yeah, and I think um, that really, as someone who was watching this unfold from home, became very clear, you know, that you're, you're members of branches there and that this is something you're representing the branch from and then all of a sudden you're on the spot. So I just wanted to go back because that was really helpful in helping me understand because to the outsider, it was really unclear what the status of these pickets and protests were. Yeah. And from what we've just heard from Jaya John is that there was a more kind of discreet attempt to encourage that branch to change, remove, adapt their motions, whereas there was quite more overtly aggressive tactics with the other branches' motions. So I was just wondering, for those of you who were there, was there any explanation um, what the legal status of this protest was? Um, regarding the pickets and, you know, it's already been mentioned that the, the letter from the Unite branch, um, was there any kind of explanation regarding any of this? Uh, who wants to go? <laughs> I found it all very confusing. Um, in, in terms of the picket line, um, I mean, we, we did ask, is this a 
is this a picket line? Like, is this an yeah. actual picket line? Are, are you actually on strike? Um, because we were, we did think that um, we could keep Congress going ourselves if we were to point our own chair, appoint our own tellers, and um, and so we so we asked officials, is this is this an actual strike? We were told no. Um, but then um, when one of my uh, comrades um, at Sheffield um, sort of informed people that we were going to you know, appoint our own tellers, um, one of the uh, National Executive Committee then said, I'm very disappointed in you as a trade unionist advocating scab labour. <gasps> so, oh. yeah, oh, yeah. We do not use the F word. I know, I know, I know. Wow. Yeah, and this was right off the back of being, no, it's not an actual picket. So, it was very confusing. Um yeah, was the general secretary on strike when they walked out? Um, if not, I'd say that was a huge dereliction of duty. Um, yeah, so in, in, in answer to your question, no, lots of conflict in messages from where I was sitting about the legal um, status of what actually was happening. I had no idea anybody had called each other scabs during Congress. I'm absolutely to hear that. I'm sorry that happened to you guys. Well, are you advocating scab labour when, when, when we were looking <laughs> mm. at appointing our tellers um, okay yeah. but it is a mass as you say when we're trade unionists it is a massive thing to like basically yeah form a picket line basically isn't it yeah and and I what mean, you're saying just to be clear there was no no explanation it was not a legal strike it was not a legal picket it was a it was a demonstration essentially for mm. what we okay if I can so jump in here, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the delegates from um, Kings and uh, and Exeter, the six of us, because we're in the room with the representatives from Unite throughout this time, I asked uh, you guys, but I certainly couldn't see what was going on. I could hear, and there were reports about what was going on uh, outside the hall with a sort of picket, not picket, um, but we could certainly hear uh, people chanting. And there was a clear sense that there were people blocking the entrance to the hall. So, for example, I'd left my computer um, with potentially sensitive information in there. And I was a bit concerned because I think there was a sense that perhaps if one of us, say myself, would go back from that room into the hall, then we could be perceived as crossing the picket line, which wasn't mm -hmm. a picket line. That could have been uh, an image could have been could have appeared somewhere and the optics would have been absolutely dreadful. So we're just sitting there and thinking, well, what's happening now? Are we able to go back or are we not, are we meant to stay here or what, you know? So it was a very, very odd and intimidating situation, I found. And it seems to me from what's been said then, though, that this was prearranged, this, this picket, the uh, letters, yeah. I can't yeah. say, but sure, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think we can speak to whether it was pre-arranged or coordinated. Or obviously, people, mm. as as stands intimated, you know, we were in the room negotiating. We could hear it. It was intimidating in that sense. We were worried mm. about, you know, trying to get back into the hall if people are staging whatever kind of line it is. Um, we can't say that that's pre-arranged or, or coordinated. But what we can say is that it's very difficult to have a negotiation in good faith with people who are saying that they're representing the trade union uh, position when you've got other people shouting you down and as, as Emma said, you know, other people calling you scabs and all the rest of it. It's difficult to do that when your fellow trade unions, you know, that, that, that was that was willful and I think that was really unfortunate. Well, and I say this as someone who has only ever had um, the pleasure of going to Congress once, um, I would have been completely baffled, you know, for new um, Congress goers who I imagine there were any 
Congress is quite confusing at the best of time, and I imagine this was just absolute chaos. Yeah, I hadn't been to Congress before. Uh, oh, neither of the it. King's people have been to Congress, so. Can, can I just jump in here very briefly, and um, particularly in light of what we've been hearing, those of us on the outside, about how a language of health and safety might have been used um, to explain uh, why people, people were feeling that they had to leave or not come back in. I mean, I've heard a language from you of kind of intimidation. Um, mm. It sounds really emotionally difficult, the whole, like, the whole three days, especially for, for KCL and, and Exeter delegates. Uh, yeah, I mean, just speaking for, for myself and you and our delegation, uh, as far as I can, um, you know, we, yeah, we found it really tough. It was it was really hard, and I'm sure that was the case for everybody on, on this chat. Um, I have to say, personally, on Thursday night, um, knowing that we were going back in, into it on a Friday morning, I was I was in a terrible state. I was an absolute mess. Um, but actually, it was good to have the other guys around us because we, we did support each other. But yeah, it was it was it was it was really horrendous experience. Mm. Yeah. And particularly, I remember that there was um, a piece in the Morning Star that accused uh, <laughs> members at UCU Congress of all manner of uh, uh, really outrageous things, um, which uh, SWP membership trying to derail Congress, yeah. when all these motions are calling for is greater transparency and discussion of our democratic structures. Can, that, can yeah. I also just... That really got to a couple of members yeah. of our delegation, I have to say. Um, can I also yeah. just jump in then? And just say that that wasn't just the Morning Star. There was actually there were tweets by UCU members saying that all these motions were part of an SWP plot. Um, yeah, I, I imagine a branch, it. A side branch, wasn't there? A tweet yeah. um, that said that, and also I think either an individual or a branch uh, tweet. There, there was a the, there was a branch account, and there was a comment attributed to Teesside on on Times Higher Education supplement website yeah it was but, um, a tweet it was that it seems that the, that branch hasn't tweeted in a long time yeah, oh, yeah. but the the general question is obviously a lot of accusations were being thrown at you guys because of the motions your branches had put forward and that must have been very difficult to deal with yeah it was, uh, but I, I mean, I also found it quite funny. Um, this idea that we're all kind of puppets to the SWP, and there was this kind of rumor that oh, there is a known infiltrator or something who is hovering outside the, uh, the conference hall. <laughs> I mean, and perhaps you need to put it, it on just... record now. Is this an SWP plot, everybody? No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, for avoidance so... of doubt, for the people at the back. I'm being right. sarcastic. No, no, no. <laughs> And I have to say, and when we came, when Congress did resume, I found it very, very frustrating that uh, the chair of Congress, uh, Joanna De Groot, then said to the whole um, that you know she was very disappointed with the conduct, and that um, she'd like to remind members that shouting can be very triggering for some people. And she's and and I thought that is very rich. Um, <laughs> so delivering that message to. Congress delegates when, when I sort of felt that a lot of that was coming from outside Congress delegates but as yeah. we would say up north Emma she's got some neck is that what you're saying well that's what <laughs> that is what I'm saying Joel yeah I thought it was a bit rich yeah yeah Emma um, uh, can I can I jump in Emma wasn't there a moment you tweeted about this wasn't there a moment where you 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 laughed 
during Congress yeah. and the president yeah. um, like called you out on it or something? Yeah. Like no, yeah. no laughing in Congress. Yeah, I, I went to the front to speak um, about something that I didn't get to speak to, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there was a member of uh, Congress who, who was again making an, an emotionally saying that um, delegates were acting like children um, mm-hmm. by, by you know, wanting to hear these motions, basically, and then appealed to some part of the rule book. And then, um, and then the chair of uh, Congress Business Committee, who we all know, um, well, from people at Congress know, very much likes the rules and knows the rules, so came down and um, asked that delegate what part of the rule book they were referring to. And then um, the chair said, Dunno, we'll find out for you at a later date. And that is when I laughed from the front. Because I was How like, very oh. dare you. Well, so I was like, oh, come on. Like, and then cause I thought, well, that's just a hilarious answer. Because whenever that happens, we never find out when they say we'll find out at a later date. Well, so I, I would la- like to bring this up. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cut across because the laughing is funny. But this, this is someone who's been to Congress once. This struck me, and it seems to have happened this time, that there's a kind of a procedural um, issue and a, uh, that allows people to filibuster and yeah. allows for things not to be heard. And um, I'm wondering if one of you would like to talk about what your assessment of Joanna DeGruy or Douglas Chalmers uh, speaking extensively on Friday morning because to me on Twitter it really felt and I tweeted as much that the debate was being stalled it felt that the walkouts were pre-planned again this was part of stalling all of Congress's business so um, I don't know Mike, Stan, Jaya, John, Emma who amongst you kind of wants to maybe speak about that? I'll, I'll say something very quickly Thank that, you. Um, if we talk about pre-planned I did I was in the hall at the moment of the first walkout, and I did see one person standing centrally by the doors making hand gestures to oh. all the staff. And, and the staff moved out very promptly, more, more quickly than could be done spontaneously. So there was an element of, uh, shall we say, coordination. And mm. the, we became aware of periodic Unite meetings, including in the morning before Friday, um, which, you know, is kind of normal when this sort of thing is going on. I, I'm not saying they shouldn't have meetings, but these were going on. So there was, of course, some coordination. And the, the second thing I want to say, besides filibustering, a very interesting thing is that because you can challenge the chair, because you can challenge even the, the Congress Business Committee when they make a certain suggestion about the order in which we hear things, this was very effective and members could vote uh, to hear these motions. So I thought that was very positive. Thank you. Uh, I yeah. would like to just, sorry. sorry. Uh, um, just quickly to, to agree that I wasn't quite clear where the filibustering was and where the sort of interesting interventions in the form of questions were. But certainly there was a, a moment where um, we were read, we were told to consider that st- a statement, a joint statement between the NEC, the National Executive Committee and UNITE that had appeared on Thursday evening. We're, we're asked on Friday morning to consider that and to consider whether on the basis of that we were going to change our decision, Congress would change the decision to have motions 10 and 11 heard. And at that point, that kind of, Joanna de Groot, the chair, asked Congress to consider. And then uh, Derek, David Chalmers, is it? Uh, Douglas. Speaking to, Douglas Chalmers, thank you. As though this was a motion. And then people started proceeding, proceeded to go on and on about details of that point of consideration. And I think that was much closer to filibustering. 
yeah, it was a question. Very, oh. Sorry. No, it was, ahead, it, was, it, it was very much um, a trait, I think, that we've seen with the general secretary is speaking, definitely advocating for something under the guise of providing contextual information, I think, mm. um, happened a lot from my point of view. Thank you. With the so, chair and the vice chair. A question that was really sort of mega unclear to your Twitter uh, me was um, L8. So L8, which, as I understand it, um, created a space for speakers to debate and clearly um, state what Congress should discuss. That seemed to be um, voted on, and staff didn't walk out. So yeah, just passed. to be clear, so this, so this was a this was a late motion where Congress asserted the right to criticise definitely elected staff, if I remember correctly. And it was a late motion that yes. was that was debated and voted through on Friday morning. So, Mike, maybe we haven't heard so much from you. Do you have an opinion on that? Um, I can't speak to why <laughs> they didn't do anything <laughs> about that. I, mean, you know, I think we were, we were playing um, a guessing game as to why certain things were happening at certain times. And I think where we've got to be careful is, obviously, we have a sense of why things happen, but I don't want to impute motives or anything like that. You obviously got to be careful what you say. Um, so I, 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 genu I genuinely don't oh, know. I think in relation to what Stan was talking about, um, you know, when we had the, the, the joint statement read out, which I know was a separate question. Um, you know, what, what are the, one of the things about that was we knew what that would trigger. We knew where that would end up going. But mm. It's just not clear why certain things didn't occasion. If, if there was consistency, it's not clear why certain things didn't occasion the same responses. And I can't tell you why that would be the case. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, it seems uh, an utter mystery to many of us. So we haven't got that much uh, longer together. Uh, not least of all, because I have to jump on a train. So I was wondering, <laughs> all about me, um, I was wondering if I could just um, bring us to the end of Congress, essentially, um, because to your Twitter observer, it all seemed to kind of end very abruptly with the staff walking out, um, things went dark, as I assumed all of Congress members were trying to work out how long they could leave it before electing a chair and so on. And then I heard that staff came back in and, and kind of requisitioned the audio equipment, which means that anybody who has um, any, you know, it's very difficult to hear each other in Congress, you know, even if you don't have any kind of hearing um, issues at all, and that you were denied access to them. So kind of Congress just had to end. Um, so, um, Emma, I was wondering if you could just sort of say what happened after the staff walked out, and then if maybe Stan, uh, Mike and Jay or John want to... Um, join in and say, you know, what our UCU is about and the statement and what it represents. Um, yeah, so at first, um, the ch when motion 10 came back on the screen, it we voted again to hear them. And um, this was after the chair of Congress Business Committee did highlight that, you know, these motions have gone through more democratic processes than any other, actually. And um, so mm -hmm. we voted to hear them again. As soon as that happened, staff walked out, uh, the chair, um, exerted their right to suspend Congress for 30 minutes. Um, that happened um, after that 30 minutes was up. The chair didn't return to the Congress Hall and actually sent in um, Paul, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And he, and he came back in to um, update everyone that Congress was now closed. Um, there was some dissatisfaction with that, uh, needless to say. Um, yeah, um, hundreds. I'd say hundreds um, of delegates stayed in the room. Do you correct me if you think that's a that that's, I think that's 130. A uh, 130. Emma, mm -hmm. I think something like that. Maybe 140. Something like that. Yeah. 
Quite these, are who, these are who framed the, our UCU. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, the audio equipment. There's actually a bit of a barricade uh, around the audio equipment. And, and this is in the context of when we were um, sort of uh, told by the chair about the whole shouting thing. And a member of uh, Congress said, well, if you will turn off the microphones, I'm afraid that that's the only way we can communicate. And there was a big thing about accessibility issues there, yeah. potential health and safety risks. So this happened again after we'd already had a very passionate debate when Congress was in session, well, I don't know if it was in session technically, but with the national executive about health and safety risks of doing that and sort of accessibility issues. To um, barricade the audio equipment is to really disenfranchise a vast number of yeah, people. Yeah, and I have to say, I walked up to, to, to ask, to, to the audio booth to ask about that. And before I even got there, I um, there was staff, who, who had spoken um, to the right of Unite to Walk Out, who immediately accused me of bullying and intimidation before I'd said anything, just <laughs> approaching them, saying that I clearly couldn't see the emotional distress I was causing, like straight away on approach of the booth. And I was just like, wow, it was, yeah, That's it was a very really difficult situation. It was, it was not nice, no. <laughs> but if we'd had the microphones, then Congress could have legitimately carried on. So this yes. was a strategy to ensure that Congress did not carry on without the current presidential team. Yeah, so what does our UCU represent? If it had been quarrels, right? If it had been quarrels, uh, it could carry on. Yes, we could have appointed another chair. We could have appointed our own tellers. All these things are in the rule book that we could have done. So, so what happened wasn't just a walkout then. It was a walk back in and it was a, a requisitioning of equipment that was needed to allow Congress to continue. Yes. From, from where I'm sitting, yeah. Wow, mm -hmm. that's quite something. So this is the context that our UCU kind of um, uh, emerged. Just, yeah. Would somebody? We're, we're literally in the dying minutes of our podcast. So <laughs> if somebody would like to just kind of summarise what that represents, that would be great. Um, so I'll just give it a go. Uh, I think what we tried to do is uphold the values of democracy and the values and principles of our union and make it absolutely clear in that statement that A, we're not a, fa a faction, we're not the SWB or UCU left or someone trying to commandeer leadership, but actually we were people from all different places of the union coming together to support democracy and also coming together to support also our staff and that this was not an attack on um, our staff, um, but it was about democratic principles very much. and. Um, and we wanted to make that very clear. And we wrote it together. We also wanted to feel in, in support of democracy that if Congress was not quarried, uh, the room wasn't quarried, Congress could not continue. Therefore, in respect of our democratic principles, we would produce that collective resolution and then leave the room. Uh, oh, well, um, all I can say is you had an exhausting week, um, a really challenging week. I'm so proud to call you all my fellow UCU colleagues um, and thank you for spending time with me and Felicity and Nick today. Thank you. Yeah. And um, go, thank you. go and ha have a rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or go and mark some exam scripts. Whatever <laughs> <you enjoy. laughs> thank you. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.